back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Phil. And while I appreciate today's film, I miss the glory days of Charlie Kaufman's imagination when he was inspired by love and flights of fancy and wonderful things that made everybody happy. Whoa. Uh, whoa. When, when was that? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's a sad movie. It's bittersweet, but it's full of, you know, wondrous moments. Sure, but before that, what did he, he made adaptation and human behavior or whatever it was? The, I never saw human that? behavior, but uh, no, I mean... This, Char- uh, being John Malkovich, those are supremely pessimistic films. But they're so full of joy. Don't well, you think? There's a lot of comedy in them. That's true. Comedy? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Well, I'm your co-host, Andrew. And every time I see a film like this, I get my hopes up that America will decide to embrace animation as an art form that is not solely for children. Mm. And every time that happens, I am disappointed. <laughs> because they never they never stick with it. Yeah, but this movie definitely... It does a lot for animation as an adult uh, art form. Oh, yeah. Uh, the movie we're talking about is Anomalisa. It's uh, co-directed and written by Charlie Kaufman, the mind behind those movies we just mentioned, being John Malkovich, mm-hmm. Adaptation, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, for which he won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into the discussion, I want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog at w. Let's start again. <laughs> you can go to our blog at www.in-the-q, that's the letter Q, dot com. On our blog, you can find all of our episodes that are posted. Uh, you can leave comments in the comments section. We also have a Facebook page. And on our Facebook mm-hmm. page, you'll find all of our episodes. You'll find videos and other things that we post to supplement the discussion that we're having that particular week. And we encourage you to leave your listener requests on our Facebook page so that we can contact you and have you on the show when we do them. Indeed. Also, uh, we have a Twitter account. Our Twitter handle is ITQ Podcast. That's at ITQ Podcast, one word. And there you can keep abreast of all our posts and just follow us in general. And then also, uh, we are on iTunes. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Uh, You can then go back to the very beginning of this podcast and listen to episodes that we first created two years ago. And then you can also stay current with uh, the new episodes as they are released every week. What a succinct summation of what it is. This in the queue podcast thing. What it is, my friend. What it is. What it is. Yes. So, today's film is Anomalisa. Um, mm. It's an entirely animated film um, using puppets and also augmented with some digital effects, mm-hmm. um, specifically to create the expressions on the faces of the characters. Um, this is most definitely an adult. Uh, film um, it's rated R and it features graphic sex scenes between mm-hmm. the animated characters as well as foul language Indeed, it's basically meant to reflect 
the adult world in general. Uh, I, I felt mm-hmm. like it was very much realistic for the most part. Um, yeah. It's basically the story of Michael Stone, who is a published author in the field of excellence and customer service. Mm-hmm. He has built his reputation as being a guy who really understands how to treat people, how to treat your customer, how to make them feel appreciated and, and therefore get what you need from them. Um, he's flying to Cincinnati to participate in a conference um, where he is going to be speaking and giving a lecture um, and he's also kind of hawking his book at the same time. Now, Michael Stone uh, is kind of a weary fellow. He mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. kind of floats through life, or at least on this business trip, he's floating through life, and everybody kind of seems to be the same. Um, yeah. In fact, this particular effect is achieved by having Tom Noonan, the actor who appeared in Synecdoche, New York, do every single voice of every character in the film except for Michael Stone and the titular character, Anomalisa, who appears um, in this, probably the second part of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, About halfway through. About halfway, yeah. And so this, and it is also, the way it's animated is a lot of the, the characters have similar facial features. Um, they have the same face. Yeah, it's pretty explicit. Yeah, it's actually, I mean, it's literally the same face, even down to his ex-wife that he sort of rem- reminisces about and mm-hmm. uh, meets up with at one point in time. <laughs> yeah, and so when he's in his hotel, he's, you know, just trying to enjoy himself, and he he hears somebody's voice down the hall, and it's the voice of a woman, played by Jennifer Jason Lee who's having a good year, I would say. I would say yeah. so. And he he feels something that he hasn't felt in a very long time. He feels that there's somebody out there uh, who is special. And he's, he's just immediately drawn to this person's voice. And he, he ends up meeting her and her roommate. They go out. They have a couple drinks. They are completely enamored of him. They think he's a rock star. Absolutely. And uh, Lisa, who's the the only character who has a woman's voice, um, she is, yes, she's totally impressed with this guy because of his book. And she's very self-deprecating. I mean, to the point of being almost hurtful to herself. Very Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, you know, that's a very Charlie Kaufman thing. <laughs> yeah, it's she's almost like she almost has the sort of the um, self hate of of Nicolas Cage's character in adaptation. Uh, yeah, being yeah. very or, insecure. Or or Cameron Diaz's character in John Malkovich. Right. So uh, Michael Stone basically, you know, embarks on a fling with this girl, and it'll sort of you know take over from there. And um, I wouldn't mind giving some spoilers so that we can really talk about the whole of this film. Yeah, I think we I think we have to. So if you have not seen the film Anomalisa and it interests you at all, uh, it is a an animated film. It's an adult animated film, and it is a fascinating film. But if you're planning on watching it, uh, I would say turn off the podcast now because we are going to talk about 
major plot points, events that happen in the second half of the film that you might want to be surprised by. So yeah. consider this your warning. But I will say that this movie uh, is so rewarding when you can really talk about it and discuss it and mm. and really get at what they're trying to say. Because my my provocative remarks at the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> um, basically what I was trying to convey was um, I, I, I love early Charlie Kaufman. Um, I feel like he, he started to go down a, a path with uh, Synecdoche, New York that was just very kind of overly serious and mm. and Anomalisa is a very serious film as well and it's not as likable for me as some of his early work it's not as likable a movie to watch but mm-hmm. when you when you sort of think about what he's playing with it's it's rewarding and mm-hmm. i do want to talk mm-hmm. about the discrepancy between what we've seen in the trailers for this movie versus what the movie actually is. Oh, yeah, it's very different. Very different. Uh, The trailers for this film make it seem like this character of Michael Stone is the only humane man in an inhumane world. It's like (laughs) he is the sensitive one, and it's the rest of the world that is mechanized and soulless. Uh, And Mm -hmm. he, he knows the secret to to connecting with other people he says things like you know focus on what's special about each person every person has a body every body has aches and um it's like it's this very kind of optimistic trailer well I found it interesting when I finally saw the film that that was cribbed there that was taken out of the film from his presentation yeah it was that he gives to people which of course is sort of a manufactured product Mm -hmm. and at no other point in the film does he espouse these kinds of beliefs in fact you feel like when he is espousing these beliefs it's hollow and empty he is not the humane man it's his problem and the rest of the world is going on you know normally that's the impression i got from this film he cannot see people as individuals and when he finally does seduce uh lisa um who kind of is is just impressed with who he is uh he very quickly gets tired of her yeah gets bored of her and and very critical of her and really kind of pesters her for minor things like the way she was chewing her food um yeah that that scene is brutal i mean i was so depressed watching that yeah and and it's like uh you can't get behind this character. His name is Stone for a reason, people. He cannot feel. And the one of the very last shots of the film reveals, in a very subtle way, too, uh, which I admire, it reveals um, uh, Michael Stone's Frigoli delusion, which we can talk about in a minute. Ooh. Um, Ooh. What it reveals is, is there's, a, there's like a shot of Lisa and her, and her roommate buddy driving, and it's a shot that's totally removed from the world of Michael Stone because we're we're basically hearing Lisa's words. It's the only time in the film where we're removed from his existence, his pre- his presence. Yeah. And what we see is that the face of Lisa's roommate looks like a different person than when Michael was there. Um, the face is not yeah. it's not that kind of 
blank expression that all of the people in Michael's world wear. It's the expression of a human being. And that to me, they, what they could have done, they could have done, they could have had a different actress uh, read the lines of the roommate. So mm-hmm. that would further drive home the point that this was Michael's problem in not seeing people for individuals. Uh, but they didn't do that. They didn't, they didn't have a different actor do her voice. But it was enough just to show that her face was different. And mm-hmm. the Frigoli delusion, this is really interesting, by the way. Oh, that Michael, I am excited to hear what you have to say. Michael Stone stays in the Frigoli Hotel. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the hotel in Cincinnati. Now... What Frigoli refers to is it's a delusion, which is a rare syndrome in which the patient believes that multiple people are actually the same person in disguise. This, oh, this is whoa. a legitimate uh, theory. And that kind of is a nice sort of way to analyze the whole film. Uh, yeah. it, it gives you something to chew on. And um, Michael emerges being an unlikable character and... The, oh, yeah, the value yeah. the value of this movie for me is in breaking down uh, the problems of this guy and 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 understanding how he has all these issues. Well, yeah, I mean this this film to me was like a deeply introspective character study in self hatred. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's really what this is. I mean, it's about a guy who hates himself and he well, he hates himself because I think. He, he's misanthropic to an extent. He's he's a brilliant man. He's a very smart man. Mm-hmm. And he finds the rest of the world to be boring. I think that it's autobiographical. I think that Charlie Kaufman probably feels the same way about that. I think that it's very likely that the world is a boring, boring place to Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. Because uh, he's such an intelligent person. Um, or maybe not. maybe not that the world is boring, but that other people tend to be boring you know how some oftentimes really intelligent people will zone out of conversations because they just can't handle the interaction they see it as so petty and so mm-hmm. uh, meaningless i always thought know? those people were kind of pretentious or or or, or well, sure, rude sure. Even. <laughs> yeah i mean there's no question about that but i mean you know in this movie our hero is not he's not a nice guy i mean yeah he for one thing when he was seducing lisa i had to stop and and turn to my fiance and say he's married isn't he <laughs> because uh yeah he, yeah you it's it's filmed and presented as kind of like a a beautiful moment i feel uh when they're actually doing it um when they're doing the deed so to speak. Well, and everything leading up to it too. I mean, it's actually a wonderful courtship mm-hmm. and, and, and wonderful in its mundanity, you know, it's absolutely, it, it's without thrill, you know, it's not, it's not overly romantic. It's, it's a very realistic kind of thing. There's this moment when he's, when they, they're about to part ways, she with her, with the girl that she came with and, and he's about to go back to his room and, he turns around and he calls out her name and says, would you like to come back to my room with me? And there's this very real moment where she's kind of like awkwardly mm-hmm. caught between her friend, who's the one who's sort of more doting on, you know, outwardly doting on Michael and then Michael himself. You know, there's a whole 
back and forth that they have that's this wonderful kind of very I felt very real interaction. Yeah. yeah. And and their their whole courtship is like that and it's I I found that to be wonderful. The people that I was with found it to be tremendously boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I'm carking back to my my opening comments too is like I miss having a Charlie Kaufman character that I can really get behind and really love mm. and root for. Like Joel Barish in Eternal Sunshine is one of my favorite movie characters ever. And and I also really liked uh, the Charlie Kaufman figure in Adaptation, too. And um, and, and all of his early films. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of was frustrated that here's a movie about a guy we're not supposed to like. And that's why I I only really recommend Anomalisa to people who can handle, you know, I guess, a, dissecting a story uh, where you you're presented with a character who's not likable. Sure, sure. I think it. I think you also have to have this is a this is a film for people with tremendous patience. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I think Synecdoche, New York, was as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like Synecdoche in New York was an incredibly difficult film to unpack. And in fact, I need to return to it at some point in time because I felt like a lot of it just flew right past me <laughs> upon, upon first viewing. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think that this is the kind of film that is rewarding the more time you spend thinking about it and the more time you kind of look at it. Um, but it's not, it's not a, a thrilling or a particularly enjoyable ride. I would say no, it's not. Um, um, it's not enjoyable, really. Uh, but it's so, you know, portentous or, or so kind of thoughtful that when it's over, and you, you know, you can kind of see why it was created. I mean, I could see what the point of the film is, and mm-hmm. it's a good point. It's kind of a cautionary tale. I feel. Um, about you know kind of how yeah. to, how to navigate yourself in society and it's yeah. kind of like you know don't do what michael stone does don't be like michael stone um, yeah but at the same time it's i was disappointed because it it was not it wasn't what the trailers promised it would be and it was it was yeah. not a joyous experience like i had had you know watching other charlie Kaufman films yeah, there are moments of tremendous humor in this film, and uh, especially there's a dream sequence about halfway through the film that had a, a a scene in it that I was dying laughing at. I was cracking up so hard when he goes down to see the hotel manager, yeah. and the hotel manager lives in this cavernous office that he has to take a tram to get from one side of the office to the other. There's a lot of pretty good physical comedy and, <laughs> and like very funny kind of setups there, but then it almost undercuts that humor when you learn that that was just a dream. Yeah. I actually thought that was kind of a cop out when, when it happened because I mean, isn't, isn't the dream sequence the moment when we first, uh, see, uh, Michelson's face start to peel. No, um, no. His face first starts to come unhinged and peel off when he hears Lisa's voice for the first time. Okay. So that was actually not, that was a real occurrence. It wasn't a dream sequence. Well, presumably it was it was a little hard to unpack. I know that the uh, the people that I with, were with all kind of I, I went with three people to see this mm-hmm. film, and they all kind of reacted physically to when that happened. They were all kind of like, "What? What is going on?" <laughs> uh, 
Um, because up to that point, nothing curious or strange had happened. And I think that the idea of that is more meant to convey that kind of feeling that you get if there's like somebody in your proximity that you just are overwhelmingly attracted to or feel a connect an instant connection to, you know, I think that was just like a physical manifestation of that sort of a thing. And it was kind of done through like multiple, there were, it was an overlay of like 10 different conversations happening at once, almost like he was tuning in, Mm -hmm. you know, like on a, on a ham radio or something, Mm -hmm. he was tuning in the voices of people and specifically Lisa's voice. Um, It's interesting though, because um, all the events in the film that are clearly not, uh, you know, a dream sequence are all extremely realistic uh, with the yeah. exception of those moments where, um, you know, the, the face of, of the, the main character starts to disconnect from his body. And an interesting choice with the actual puppets and the way they're animated, you can see these clearly demarcated lines on the face of the, every character. Um, they they yeah. give it kind of a, a puppet-like look. And it, it's obviously not trying to look um, human-like. And therefore, to me, there's I feel like there's something to this that I may not be getting, which is the significance of, of, this, of this, these facial features. Um, and, and it's... People, people wearing masks. I mean, they look like masks. They do look like masks. So maybe it's just the idea of everybody wearing a mask. Everybody, you know, it also facilitates that idea of everybody being the same, you know, because they all have the same mask face, you know. Yeah, but then the men, the women, the children, they all have the same face. But then there's the uh, there's the moment when he when he first you know peels his face off a little bit when he hears Anomalisa's voice, and then there's that moment when his a big chunk of his face just comes off his whole yeah his whole face comes off now how do yeah. you reconcile that with uh well that one's the dream sequence yeah that one's in in the dream sequence so i reconcile that by saying it's a dream it's a dream okay <laughs> but uh i just wonder i feel like that kind of touches on something that they, they could have developed more well maybe it's the sense of him maybe he maybe he gets afraid because he feels like he's going to lose his identity if he starts to become involved with somebody right He's going to lose his individuality if he gives some of himself over to another person. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's a big part of why he's afraid, right? Um, that's why he can't commit to this sort of like wonderful flight of fancy that he's on. Because he, 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 he can't, he needs somebody who's, just like everybody else, because he's too insecure in himself to actually give up a part of himself to another person. Interesting. That's an interesting interpretation. Um, I was kind of wondering if there was going to be like a statement about like um, this, you know, the the way that people in general are in this world, in the world of the film, and that kind of goes with mm-hmm. the first interpretation you offered about how about how we're all wearing masks and we're all sort of, you could say that we're mm-hmm. all puppets. We're all kind of, you know, Ooh. yeah, we're all just kind of being, going through our routine. We're all kind of being yeah. controlled by some other force other than ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, I mean, I, I feel like it fits right in with Charlie Kaufman's 
themes and ideas, right? I feel like his late period themes, like starting with Synecdoche, New York, um, I feel like this movie is, it seems like the spiritual brethren of that film. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that it's a, it's a natural choice to use this kind of animation. I mean, this was a stage play originally, but, um, right, but I, think right. it, I think it's a really fitting uh, medium to, to tell this story using animation because it'll, it'll allow you to have Tom Noonan's voice you know, d- dub uh-huh. in for every other character. And um, I think it really is stylistically brilliant even. And, and that is kind of like a taste of what I love about Charlie Kaufman, the kind of the, the kind of avant-garde or, or your groundbreaking sort of, um, you know, artistic conceit of the film is just as great as his early work. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I kind of feel like Kaufman is getting even more pessimistic and even more kind of dissatisfied and maybe misanthropic. And uh, I kind of feel like it really shows in Anomalisa. Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. Um, yeah, it's certainly not a happy film. Uh, I'd like to talk for a moment, if we could, about just the animation itself. Yeah, sure which I think is magnificent. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge animation fan. Um, uh, And this is a stop motion animated film. So as you said, these are puppets that are being manipulated. Uh, The level of detail that went into this film, into fleshing out the environments, the costuming, everything. I mean, it, it, it it feels like a live action film Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a very, very, you know, it's, it's, it seems very surreal because it's, it's animated (laughs) yeah but uh but man is it is it convincing i mean down to the really you know the uh the nitty-gritty details so to speak Mm -hmm. yeah i i Um, mean i was really impressed by the uh the scene where he takes a cab to the frigoli hotel from the airport and uh just kind of like the the beautiful way they uh evoked a car ride at night um then you just by using lights and and, and yeah. rain and uh it was just really elegantly done and and i really felt like i was in the car with him it was yeah. just uh really be- beautifully and, directed and, indeed and some of the the camera movement in this film which i mean as soon as you start to even start to conceptualize it as something that has to happen in real time and space as one frame at a time mm-hmm. as an animated product. It, it's just almost mind boggling. I mean, it's not as bombastically impressive as something like the box trolls, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which does, you know, throws the kitchen sink, everything in the kitchen sink into their animation arsenal. But in a way, this is just as impressive because it's, it's so realistically invoke evokes the real world. I'm actually really glad that the Academy decided to honor Anomalisa with the nomination because I think that's, it's the, it's the happy ending for this movie. (laughs) I mean, it's it's the only good thing to come out of this movie. (laughs) And uh, it's nice that we may see more, more work from this sort of, you know, style or, or 
and fr- and from this studio too. Th- this film actually had to be kickstarted, or at least part of it had to be kickstarted. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say kickstarted, for those of you out there who might not know, there's a website called Kickstarter. Um, it's similar to GoFundMe or Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are websites that are crowdfunding websites where the artistic, the artists behind any given project can go to the internet and collect money to fund a project. They specify an amount that they need and then people can donate mm-hmm. up to that amount and beyond. And this was a film where, I mean, the the last half of the credits was just scrolling by all the names of these people who donated to the Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, it, this is another example. We just talked recently about Chirac, which was uh, uh, funded by Amazon studios Mm -hmm. you know these are these are ways that unconventional films these days that might not be able to get a major studio to back them are getting funding and uh and are able to be made yeah it's uh it's a really beautiful thing that's developed and i myself have taken advantage of crowdfunding uh for you know my own projects and um unfortunately you really can only do it once uh (laughs) Unless yeah, you're a yeah. professional filmmaker, but most people, hey, did, yeah. do another campaign and people would be like, hey, didn't we already give this guy money? I don't understand. But <laughs> it can't go to that well too many right. times. But uh, when you can, it can be very rewarding. And um, I also kind of just wanted to say one thing that I admired about Anomalisa too, which is its mm-hmm. sense of time. Uh, it's almost uh-huh. purely in real time. Uh, with the exception of the dream sequence, which kind of um, offers a, a through a, a break in the con- continuity, um, yeah, and it and it it sort of offers us the the day, night to day transition, right? And but apart from that, it just it all happens, you know, really in such a way that there you could tell that the filmmakers are committed to telling a realistic, natural story. And it was all yeah, very sort yeah. of methodical and intentional, and um, I admired that. So formally, I think Anomalisa is a marvel. Uh, yeah. Is it the kind of film that I will return to? Never. <laughs> <laughs> I can safely say that I will never see this movie again. Um, but it was, it's worth talking about. It's, if you're a Charlie Kaufman fan, I would definitely recommend you see Anomalisa. Uh, but... This is not the movie that I'm going to go out and buy and and, re- and yeah. revisit. Yeah, it's like it, it it's a it's a it's a fascinating exercise. It's intellectually stimulating. It's wonderful from an animation perspective. It's really quite a marvel to behold, but at the same time, like you feel I'm kind of I kind of I don't I don't see myself returning to it. I I just don't I don't know what more I could get from it. I, I may at some point, but uh, I, you know, as we said earlier, it's not a, it's not a, a pleasant experience necessarily yeah. watching the it's film. It's not pleasant. It's not moving or funny for the most part, and it's just kind of the work of somebody who seems kind of bitter. But you know, uh, <laughs> I still respect Charlie Kaufman, and I'm and I'm glad this movie was made. And yeah, um, definitely, yeah. And I would, and I would like to see more things like this being made, more risky projects that are interesting, that are truly auteur-centric films. You know, I think 
what you're try really getting at, Andrew, is you want to see more puppet cunnilingus. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. Okay. That's our show about Anomalisa. Stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be a listener's choice about the film Frank, directed by Lenny Abrahamson, who's nominated for an Oscar for directing Room. And that film stars Domhnall Gleeson and Michael Fassbender. Um, we're going to have a new guest on the show named John from Greensboro, so stay tuned for that. We'll see you then. <laughs>